0: So I want to just start with this um, sort of preamble, if you if you will. Uh, Pastor Armour already prayed for it, and everybody is sort of, aren't we? Every week we seem like we're in a new phase of the COVID uh, pandemic, dealing with the pandemic in different ways, and so on and so forth. And there's sort of like, actually, the last couple of weeks, we've had good news, bad news sort of mixing um, I think yesterday, Quebec had the highest number of COVID cases ever in history. Um, But at the same time, uh, the city of Montreal has flattened and and is doing better. And then, of course, uh, globally, there seems to be movement on a vaccine. In fact, my parents, the country my parents are from, they've announced that the elderly will start receiving a vaccine in late December. Uh, So, I mean, you know, things seem to be turning a corner. And, um, And so we could talk about All these things about how to deal with life during a pandemic, how to deal with all these things. And um, I don't know about you, but I'm getting a little tired of hearing that. It's like my my daughter loves to complain at the commercials. Every commercial is in these unprecedented times. Right? Every time. And it's like, okay, we get it now. Now they're just precedented. We've lived through this now, for we know now, you know. And we just know, uh, you know, the end of the year is coming, and so companies have to find a way, one, for us to buy all their stuff for Christmas, and then two, uh, those year-end reviews, can you imagine what those shows are going to be like? You know, and all this now. Of course, it's also terribly sad because, truly, more people have died this year than normal, right? and also uh, most of the people we've lost unfortunately are senior citizens are people that had complicating factors and so when I'm not sad and it's something to take seriously but I, I, it's almost like I don't want you to put the pandemic aside cuz we're all living in it so now it's our normal but I want to talk about something that's just as important as it was before the pandemic it'll be just as important after the pandemic because you know I I I reminded you this last time, but I want to talk historically and kind of give a warning. We all feel like we're in the middle of it now, but once vaccines roll out and infection rates go down and so on, and things return to some sort of normal, will we all be reflecting the same? Will we all be looking back at ourselves the same? Will people be taking stock of things the same? Unfortunately, maybe not. Uh, history tells us, if anything, the last pandemic was eight, 1918 to 1919, right after the First World War, and then we went right into the great, uh, and then after the, that, sorry, was the, what's called the Roaring Twenties, when people went bonkers, and it was all, uh, basically, it was a pretty wild time in history, and then, unfortunately, the two decades after that were horrendous. Okay, we had a massive uh, economic crash in the 30s and then, of course, the Second World War. So I, I don't want us to like think that, okay, now everything's gonna be better and we're all just gonna move on. I want us to talk about timeless truths That will be true whether there's a pandemic or a war or a financial crisis or a financial boom. It doesn't matter. I want us to talk about those sort of things and sort of focus on those things. It doesn't mean we ignore reality of what's going on. Of course, we're all going through this and it's frustrating. Uh, Many parents are now scrambling with the idea that your children are going to be home for a month at Christmas, not just for two weeks, Uh, right? Many children are struggling with the idea that they have to spend another month at home with their parents rather than, (laughs) right? Like everybody's. going through this, but uh, there are still things that are true no matter what's going on in our daily lives. So last time I spoke, I spoke about being born again and the importance of uh, what that means. And we looked at, you know, the most probably well-known verse in the Bible, the most well-known scripture ever, John three sixteen, where it says, For God so loved the world. I don't have the screen. You can put the title screen up, though, Jeremiah. Uh, it, it, the, the most famous scripture we know, it, Jesus said, For God so loved the world that he sent his only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but will have everlasting life. Right? And, and we know that, and it's very important, and it means, and then he has this conversation about what being born again means. Okay, and hopefully, if you haven't, uh, if you're not too sure, please go back a couple of weeks on our YouTube page or and Facebook, and you can watch it and understand what it means. But I feel strongly to follow up from there. Is this idea of talking about Christ alone? So remember that some of the supporting ideas we have to Jesus claiming. Uh, that he was the savior of the world, is he said himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Paul tells us in the book of Acts that there is no other name under heaven by which men might be saved but the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus himself many times says things like, I am the bread, I am the vine, I am the gate. He says a lot of these, uh, These uh, are called the famous I am statements of Jesus. Um, other people point to him as the savior. It's very important that we understand what these means. And now, This idea of Christ Alone actually comes from a hymn. Um, Those of you, I don't know if anybody knows this hymn, In Christ Alone. Um, In fact, it's one of the rare instances of a hymn that everybody thinks is old, but it is not. It was a hymn that was written in 2001 uh, by uh, uh, two Brits or Irish. I'm not sure if they are Brits or Irish. Keith Getty and Stuart Townsend. At least one of them is British. Maybe one's Irish. But uh, they wrote a song uh, in 2001 called In Christ Alone. And there's been lots of remixes of the song. In fact, For those of you on YouTube, it is one of the most remixed, redone songs on YouTube by many, many different artists. If you ask me, I think, although the original is good, I think the best version ever was done by a Christian pop artist. His name is, actually, I don't know his real name. He's known as Owl City. Um, I think his name is Adam something. I think he's from Toronto, actually. Uh, But he's quite a famous pop star. Uh, But um, his version, I think, is fantastic. And it's called, so if you just went to YouTube and typed in Owl City, in Christ Alone, you'll, you'll be able to hear it. Okay, but um, basically, it's a quite a long hymn, but it says things like this. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, through excuse me, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace. When fears are stilled, when striving cease. My comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. And it goes on. In Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God and helpless babe. It's Christmas, right? Um, The gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to save, till on that cross he died, the wrath of God was satisfied. For every sin on him was laid. Here in the death of Christ, I live. And then it says, There in the ground his body lay, light of the world by darkness slain. Then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again, And he stands in victory. Since curse has lost his grip on me, for I am his and he is mine. Bought with the precious blood of Christ. No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand. Till he returns or calls me home, here in the power of Christ, I'll stand. Now, um, that's a really good sermon. That hymn is a great sermon. In, in fact, the whole of theology, is the whole of the Bible, the whole of any theology I could share with you is caught up in that song. They sort of take you from the beginning of time to the end of time. They take you from the beginning of one's life to the end of one's life, from being out of God and into God. It's all found in there. But the message, of course, of the song is in Christ alone. And it's important that it doesn't say in Jesus alone. And I know I need to take some time to cover that, okay, this morning. It's important that it doesn't say in Jesus alone. Now, Jesus was his name in the same way that Richard is my name. And he was given the name Jesus purposefully. There's it's important that we understand that word, that name, and why he has that name. But Christ is not his name, it's a title. And I know we've taught this many times, but in case somebody's new here, Christ is not a middle name, it's not his last name, it's not a nickname, it's a title. In the same sense that uh, in our church, we have some people who are qualified doctors. So because they got their PhD, they are allowed to be said, hey, you have to call me doctor. Right? You don't, you'll just get called a doctor because, you know, now if I went, and was, famous people get honorary doctorates, right? Honor, a school, besto- you can't, they don't get, get, they'd be called doctor, do you know that? If they get an honorary doctorate, you're not allowed to be called doctor, you only get it if you earn it. Okay? So in the same way, if someone becomes president, right? Or even uh, in the United States, even after they're no longer president, for the rest of their lives they are called president. Okay. Or in the same way, an odd situation now you have Joe Biden who was vice president, and so the rest of his life he would be referred to as vice president. But now as president, he will get upgraded in his title to president. It's a, those are titles. Okay. Now in the same way, in even in, in Canada we have things like. Uh, You ever heard people say, the right honorable, right? Somebody who's qualified becomes the right honorable. Or whether, now we're Canadian, we were talking about this the other day with a couple people about how we're still, Canada at work, we were talking to an exchange student who's not from here, and he was a bit confused about Remembrance Day, it was new for him, he's from a part of the world where they don't celebrate that. And he's like, what's, with everybody's got the queen on them, and he he was like, what's, why, you know, he wasn't understanding. And we're saying, well, we're still a constitutional monarchy, and the queen is still our queen, and so we call, you know, she's your majesty. You know, she has that title. And so by deference and by honor and by the fact that she is the queen, she, we call her your majesty. So, okay, so I went through that a lot. So Jesus Christ, in Christ alone, Christ, anybody want to take a stab here live, what Christ means? Anybody remember? People out there are probably all shouting the answer. Nobody wants to take a, a stab at what Christ means? Okay, I'm going to let you think about it until one of you shouts out the answer. Okay? In Christ alone. So what it's saying is, now Jesus, it's important, there are no other Christs. Okay? There are no other Christs. There is only one Christ. Anybody remember now what it means? It's very simple. Nobody? Really? Really? All you amazing people? Hmm? Anointed one. Yes, thank you, Tristan. Anointed. One of the youngest people in the room. That's encouraging. Okay. The anointed one. There is no other anointed one. To do what? To save us. Okay, there is no other anointed one. Only Jesus Christ alone. And so, we want to talk about why does it matter? Well, it's very important because exclusive claims of truth matter. Okay, and I'm going to explain what that means. There's a difference between an exclusive claim of truth and an accl- a, 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 a claim, okay? So an exclusive claim of truth could be, for example, everything that goes up must come down. Well, prove it. Okay, I'll throw, anything I throw in the air falls down. Every other option is untrue. It might take a while for something that's light to fall down. It might take... A while, if I throw it from somewhere higher to fall down, but no matter what on earth, okay, don't get smart with me, if you drop something and nothing interferes with it and you don't use any external force to make it stay up, it will fall down. You can get on your high horse and get on YouTube and make a whole page and say that that's not true, but you're always going to be wrong because it's exclusively true that what goes up, Must come down. Okay, it's an idea. Now if I tell you, well, the smartest people drive yellow cars, that's not exclusively true. I just said something. I just made that up off the top of my head. Right? Or, you know, maybe uh, we will remember it more, you know, the Montreal Canadiens are the best team. Well, I mean, there's no truth there. Did they win or did they not win? If they didn't win, they're not the best team. Yeah, but I think they are, you know, or, or whatever it is. Or today's, in today's world, my political opinions are right and everybody else's are wrong. Right? And of course, it's ultra personal. But exclusive claims of truth matter. So when someone says this is true and everything else isn't true, it matters. And in fact... It's important. I want you to hear me out here now, especially when you're out there and people, many voices today. When someone says, Jesus is the only way to heaven, they are saying there are no other other ways to heaven. It's important to understand that. Remember, when you make an exclusive claim, you're then excluding everybody else. That's where the word exclusive comes from. So what we build our lives on and what we proclaim with our mouth matters. Okay? So this is our preamble so we can get into the word of God. Let's look at Galatians 6, 14 to 15, and this is what it says. May I never boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. Okay. Now this is Paul talking to the church, the Galatian church, and it's important that we dig into this. And I want to encourage you, when you read your Bible, I'm going to be doing some of this in the new year, some of the planning for the new year. But when you read your Bible and you see things, especially like this, ladies especially, I don't know if you're reading this, and then you see circumcision, uncircumcision, and you're like, ah, I don't even want to look at it. Okay? Like, so I need to be graphic for a moment to explain what's happening here. So do we all know what circumcision is? If you don't, I don't want you to Google it. Do not Google it. Okay, because you're going to get some unpleasant imagery. Okay? But the bottom line is, in Jewish tradition, when a baby was born, after eight days, the foreskin on their a boy, on the penis, would be removed. And until 1980, 1981, 82, here in Quebec, same thing. Okay? Unless the parents objected on some grounds. Okay? Now, today, it's, it's a choice at birth depending on, on different things, but at the time, okay, you have to understand what was happening. The church was spreading throughout the world into new territory, and of course, it started in what we now know as Israel at the time. It started in Jerusalem in that area, and it was spreading out around the world into places that were not Jewish, like the Galatian church, the Ephesian church, the Philippian church, you know, and so on and so forth. And so people who were becoming born-again Christians and becoming to believe in the Christ were from other cultures. Most of them were what we would call pagans. They, they worshipped many gods, maybe the Greek pantheon of gods or the Roman pantheon of gods or the mix or some other whatever. They believed all sorts of things or nothing or whatever. And they were coming to Christ and, uh, coming to Christ and getting saved. And they were coming into the church, and they were starting to learn. And they were learning about all this freedom in Christ, and Paul was preaching this. And then there were some people, they were Jewish Christians. Now, we're not picking on them because they're Jewish Christians. They were like original Jewish, the first Christians were mostly Jewish. And they had grown up Jewish, and they had been Jewish their whole lives. And so they were following not just Christ, they still had their cultural, religious practices that they'd like to do, including circumcision. But some of them started teaching that if you don't get circumcised, you're not saved. That's what they were saying. You're not born again. So if you're a man, and by the way, if if you're older and you have to be circumcised, that hurts. Okay? But um, you have to understand why this matters. So they were putting on something extra, not Christ alone. They were saying, yeah, you've got Christ, but now you've got to follow these rules and regulations that we inherited. There was, now, there's nothing wrong with circumcision. I mean, even Paul says that. But they were trying to tell these believers from outside Judaism, oh, you also have to do this. Okay, that's the background. Okay? But what Paul is trying to get on is that righteousness Righteousness simply is a fancy word that means being found to be right before God. Okay? depends not on rules you follow or actually depends on not anything else but the grace of Jesus Christ. And what was the grace of Jesus Christ? What we talked about last time, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. All of it rests on that. So believers then are made born, brand new, born again, Okay? and start living that, what, that, that life of an inward transformation and an inward choice, it's not about the outward. Now, for sure, when you come to faith in Jesus Christ and you make the inward choice and believe and follow and the transformation from within makes a change on the outward, but not maybe in the way that you would think. The outward change is not simply now that you follow rules because, well, there's a list of rules and I've got to follow them. It's not like that. It's that God has now changed you from inside, and so your behavior and the way you interact with the world and the way you respond to things changes, right? So he says, may I never boast except in the cross. So now boast. It's important because the way we understand the word boast today is not exactly what he is saying there. Boasting now is mostly like, you guys, anybody watch, if you watch American football, the NFL, or any type of football, or, uh, you know, after every play, they celebrate like they just won the championship. And in fact, again, I always tell you, God gives me examples like every week to help me. Last night I was watching a game. If you've I was watching, the University of Wisconsin was playing the University of Michigan. And if you're watching this, I was like, thank you, Lord, for this young man and his silliness. Wisconsin won the game 43 to 11 which in football terms means they destroyed Michigan. It was near the end of the game and one of the young men from Michigan, it was over, made a tackle on the running back from Wisconsin. The game was over, they were getting crushed and he just made a normal tackle and he got up and he was like yeah! and I was like if I was his coach I would have pulled him aside and said, "If you ever celebrate like that again, when we're down by thirty points, you're never playing again." Right? Because he he misunderstood what was going on. That's what we understand as boasting, bragging. Okay, that is not what Paul is really saying here. His what he means by boast is, "I will not put my trust or my hope or what I'm going to proclaim out as the source of my." Transformation, the source of my salvation, the source of my hope and joy, in anything except the cross, except the cross of Jesus Christ. Okay, that's what he's saying. All right, and so he says, "Far be it from me to boast, except in that." Okay, now remember, Paul could have been bragging about a lot of things. He was well educated. He knew all the rules. He had all the information. He wasn't going to brag in that. Okay, so now he says this hard part through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. This is tough language because Paul is using now he's being poetic, okay? But think about it for a second. Crucifixion, everybody back then knew exactly what he meant when he said crucified, right? Cuz it was a normal form of punishment, capital punishment back there, okay? And so what he's saying is the this and now it's easy to say, "Oh yeah, I've been Crucified to the world, but the world has been crucified to me. What he means is his normal desires, his normal passions, his want to be part of all this and to be accepted and to be a part of the world has been crucified. Now, think of the imagery for a second. Crucified for a second. That imagery is strong. Now, if I told you in modern sense, oh, you know, um, my... Love of the world, my desire for the world has been put to the electric chair. Right? That's what he's saying, but in even a more gruesome fashion. Okay? He's saying it's been sentenced to death. My love for the world has been crucified to death, and my also, my also uh, want to be accepted, and so on and so forth, has been crucified. It is dead. He's saying, hey, I'm super educated. He could go back, if he would just go back and... and Assume his position, again, as an educated man. He'd be wealthy, he'd be comfortable, he'd be in a place of influence, he'd be an insider. And he's saying, all of that, I crucify all of that for the sake of Jesus Christ. Okay? So, also, we're a dead, a dead to our, our own passions, our own desires. And in fact, we're going to bring this word back again. We're dead to sin, as the Bible says, but alive to Christ. Dead to the world, but alive to Christ. It's a challenging word to put to death to the world. It doesn't mean we don't live in the world. I've said this so many times in the last few weeks. It doesn't mean you go run off to the mountains of Ireland in a monastery and live there away from everybody so nobody bothers you until the Vikings come. Okay? You don't do that. Okay? It doesn't mean, dead to the world doesn't mean like, I don't care about anything. I'm not going to go to work. I'm not going to eat. I'm not going to wash myself. That's not what dead to the world means. It means that you don't live by the passions and desires that you've had for things in the world and that you don't live by what's going on so that our circumstances don't dictate the way we react, the way we live. Does that make sense? So he goes on to say, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. He's saying rules don't mean anything. What matters is the new creation. See, religious rules for qualification don't matter because that would be by human effort. By Christ alone means it's a work of Jesus alone. Okay, so remember new creation. Let's go back. We've been looking at this verse for the last few months. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. Okay, the old is where? Gone. The new is here. We've been back over and over and over on on this, okay? If if you're a new creation today, if you've given your life to Jesus, if you're living in Christ alone, that is the way to be a new creation, okay? It's important not to get sidelined or sidetracked, okay? It is so easy to get sidelined and sidetracked in the world today, isn't it? Oh, my goodness. Can't, there's so many things going on that we could all of our minds and passions could be taken up so quickly by the things going on in the world. And again, it doesn't mean we become freaks who isolate ourselves. I'm not saying that, okay? But it's it's important to not get so wrapped up in what's going on in the world today that we that we lose our minds. Okay, it's very very important. Um, can you do the next verse, please? Ah. 1 Corinthians, Paul is now saying, I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I find this so powerful. We're going to read a little bit more on this part. But think about this now. Paul, with all his understanding and all his knowledge and whatever, and he encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus. He had prophetic, powerful prophetic words and seen miracles, and, 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 and miracles happen and so on. He doesn't come to the Corinthians and go, I'm here for a healing crusade. I'm here to tell you my newest theory on angels. I'm here to tell you why the pandemic is a judgment from God. He's not saying any of that. But he had the qualifications to do that. He had done all the stuff. And he comes and he says, I'm going to, and remember, Corinth is very much like Montreal. The city of Corinth is very similar to Montreal. If you study, cosmopolitan, very liberal, very open, a lot of sexuality, a lot of whatever. It's a very similar city to Montreal. And he comes and he says, I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. He's telling them this is what matters, Christ alone. Don't get messed up. And the Corinthians, my friends, were getting messed up in all the stuff. Okay? We don't need to get into it, but they got things messed up. They were they were doing communion weird. They were having weird family things going on. There was weird sex stuff going on in the church, and Paul had to come and clean it up. And he comes in to clean up by saying, "Focus on Christ alone." And this is what he says, verse two. you don't have it up there on the screen. He says, "So with me, so it was, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom, as I proclaimed to you the testimony of God. For I resolved nothing to accept that." Uh, to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness, with fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so your faith m- might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. There's a lot he, I could talk about, he says. A lot. We could tell others, but our focus and our aim should always be to preach Christ and Him crucified. I've told you, it's, I find it particularly challenging. I am intensely interested in the political process. I studied political science in school, and university. I love it. I'm inter- I love talking about it. But in this time, in this season, for example, I have, tried, I have put it all aside for the sake of the gospel. Because I see that it's brought nothing but pain and misery to people. And Christians, whether they're on the right or on the left or whatever they're at, and they're completely obsessed with those positions. There's no joy. There's no hope. There's no gospel. And it's destroying not just churches. It's destroying our countries. Let's learn from the book of Romans can you go there, please? Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast, remember, we boast. We put our hope, we put our trust, we put our confidence in the hope of the glory of God. This is Paul Again. So, therefore, we have been justified. Let's stop there. Another good Bible word. Justified through Jesus means made just, made right. Okay? Justified. Now, should I die, unfortunately today, I don't want it to happen, but should it happen, I could stand before the throne of God the Father justified because of what Jesus did on the cross. Not because of anything I ever did, however clever it was. Don't be mistaken. I'm certainly not perfect, but God's not going to look at me and go, oh, it's you. You've been preaching since you were 15 years old. Come on in. It's, it's not, none of it's going to matter. That's not what's going to get me. That's not what brings me justification before the Father. It's Jesus and Christ alone. Oh, I saw what you did that time, and I saw what No. Oh, we could talk about crowns and all that rubbish, but if that's what you're thinking about, if that's what your focus is on, then you're not understanding the gospel of Jesus Christ. The kids were asking the other day about sort of end time stuff and what's the new heaven and new earth going to be like and whatever. And I said, listen, guys, I don't really know. All I know is it's going to be amazing. And we're not going to care about any of the questions we have right now. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know what it's going to feel like. But it's going to be amazing. And whether I have one crown or 20 crowns and my crown's big and I have no rubies, I don't care. What I do care about and what I feel strongly we need to care about is there's not enough of our neighbors and our coworkers and our family members coming with us. I don't care how many crowns I'm going to have or how many jewels I'm going to have or how big my mansion's going to be or whatever rubbish is going on out there right now. None of it matters. What matters is Christ alone. We've been justified through faith. What is faith? Well, how am I justified? Through faith. Faith is believing preached about that a couple weeks ago, so go watch the old ones if you're following up. Follow the series between Pastor Armory and I. And we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into grace. And we boast in what? In the hope of the glory of God. If you're going to boast, if you're going to get puffed up, if you're going to get braggy, at least brag and boast in and make noise about Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? Now it continues. It's not up there. I'm going to finish now. Not only so, it says, but we glory in our sufferings. Say it one more time. Not only so, but we glory also in our sufferings. Now, we may feel like we're having a tough time during this pandemic, but remember, these people are being thrown into jail and being wrongly accused and some of them being killed. So he's saying, we're glorying in that because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And listen to this, this is huge. And hope does not put us to shame. So during this pandemic, what is our focus as we learn? God, it should be God. You know what, Lord? Lord? Help us to learn perseverance. This is a light affliction compared to what's gone on in the world before. But help us during this time, because it may get worse. And if it does next time, as we learn to persevere for this one, we can learn to persevere for the next one. And we can have character, and the character brings hope, and we will not be put to shame. The church of Jesus Christ will not be put to shame. Now I will say this. There are Christians today doing shameful things in the name of Jesus Christ. Speaking on his behalf shamefully. And they've already had their reward, as the Bible says. But the church of Jesus Christ will not be put to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Remember, uh, when you're going through the Bible and you see a word like that, poured out. Remember, we all know what it is to pour something out, right? Poured out, just lavished, poured out on us, his love. So we go through tough times like we are right now. We won't be ashamed. And His love is poured out. And listen to what it says. Through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. That, what's the key word there? Given. Not earned. Not worked up to. Not begged and pleaded for. Given to us. And it says, verse 6. Now, this is important, especially as we wait to the, this pandemic. You see, just at the right time, just at the right time while we were powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. See, humanity is always about trying to find their own way. Well, maybe if we build a tower to Babel. Maybe if we build that tower, we'll, we'll, we'll figure out what we need. Well, maybe if we do this, and maybe if we have a government like this, and maybe if we have government like that, and maybe, if we do this, maybe we'll do this. We're always trying. Just at the right time, God comes through. Verse 8 says, God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we are still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ alone. So since we have now been justified by his blood, it goes on to say, we know what justified means. How much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we are God's enemies, we are reconciled to him. Think about that. He's saying, while you were an enemy, he came and got you. How much more is he going to be with you while you're on his side? Not only this, verse 11 says, but we also boast. Here we are again. Not only in this, but we boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have now received reconciliation. So we can have confidence, we can have faith that we are reconciled. We're made right with God. Have you ever reconciled with somebody? If you haven't, just think about it. Maybe somebody that betrayed you, somebody that hurt you, somebody you haven't seen in a long time, somebody you fought with, whatever. That feeling of reconciliation where you put everything behind and you make up with it. This is like at a cosmic, universal level. That reconciliation. In Christ alone, we can be made right with God the Father. And that's our message. That's my message to you as individuals. And that's our message to the world. Sure, there's a hundred things going on. Sure, there's a hundred. I'm 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 probably underestimating a million different ideas going on. But if you want to have reconciliation with God Himself, it's through Christ alone. And so I encourage you this morning to just even now pray and say, God, help me to see in my own life, maybe where, Lord, I might be boasting because of my confidence, I might be trusting in other things. I might have Sort of lost the plot, as it were, or lost the um, focus, as it were. Help me to crucify the flesh. Help me to get rid of my love and my desire to be accepted by whatever tribe of people or ideas or the worldly systems, whatever it is. And help me to realize that it's not about rules or regulation. It's not even about following certain ideals, but it's following, about Jesus. it's following Jesus Christ. And what counts, Lord, is the new creation, that you saved me, and now I'm made brand new. So I'm going to ask you to, wherever you are, bow your heads and close your eyes, because we're going to pray right now. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for sending Jesus Christ. Lord, we stand on the promise of John 3.16, that you loved us so much that you sent Jesus Christ. That whoever believes on you will not die, but have everlasting life. And Lord, we know that if we receive Jesus Christ, anyone who receives Christ is a new creation. The old is gone and the new is here. So, Lord, if we're going to boast, let us boast in the hope and the glory of Jesus Christ our Lord. Help us, Lord, to be people that share with our neighbors, with our co workers, with our cities, with our nations, Lord, that there's hope to be found in Christ and Christ alone. We worship you and we honor you. We thank you so much, Lord, for your blood, Lord. We thank you so much as we head into this, even this Christmas season. Help us, Lord, to remember that the reason we're here is Jesus. Lord, we just pray, Lord, for everyone that's hearing this. I pray that some out there, if you do not know Jesus Christ, if you're not following him, if you're like, ah, I'm not reconciled to God, I'm not right with God, I need that justification, I would just tell you right now, reach out to him, speak to him right now, and say, God, I believe, can, I believe, Make me right. Make me whole, Lord. And He will. He will do that. And then I want you to contact us, email us, phone us, text us, whatever it is. And we want to get in touch with you and talk to you and help you understand how you can grow in love and grace with Jesus Christ. You may have been walking a long time with Jesus and you feel like, I'm just not right right now. Well, let's just pray right now. Let's pray together a prayer of repentance. Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord, for those things I've done wrong. I know what they are. Just think about them. You don't have to say them out loud. Forgive me, Lord, for the things I've done, Lord, that have Uh, Lord, been wrong. Forgive me for the sin in my life. Lord, I put it aside, I walk away from it, and I turn towards you. Help me, Lord, to live right. Give me the strength. Help me to listen and obey Holy Spirit when he speaks to me, and help me to live for you from this day forward. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. I encourage you, be reconciled in Christ alone. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll be in touch about all the amazing things going on at church, Christmas plans, and small groups, and so on. Stay connected. We want to hear from you. God bless you.